Freddy's home. This is the Horrible Film School. Take a seat and slowly rip open your trapper keepers. I am Mr. Chris Purdy, and I'm here with the speechless Mr. Ryan Hootie. What's up, fellas? Am I the only one who has been listening to Dream Warriors on Spotify for the past two weeks? Dream Warriors. It's a banger. It's got so much so much 80s cheese just dripping off of that song. Also with us, we have the wizard, mage, nerd extraordinaire, Mr. Nasty, a.k.a. the big bro, Joey. It's the same desire to feel the fire. That's coming my way. We're the dream warriors. Don't want to dream no more. Are you guys as excited as I am to be talking Freddy in December? It's a very merry Freddy Kilmus. It's Freddy season, baby. We got the dream demon bringing in this season. I had a quick question in relation to this movie. Which power... Do you two have in your dreams? That's the same shit I wrote. I was gonna ask. Break too. that ice. What do you What do you got, we're, Joy? We're uh, we're on the same same brave, brainly. Um, all right. I thought about this and I thought about it. Right. You kind of got to use a power that you uh, that you already have, uh, a la Kincaid. I would I want to grow my chest hair out, right, and entangle my victims, like. Like, we'd be getting into, like, Evil Dead 1 Vines-type situations. Like, chest tentacle and, hair uh, is what you're describing. Yeah, I would here. have, like, chest hair that grows out to, like, tentacles. Or not tentacles, but, like, it entangles the victims. And they would call me, like, Captain Kudzu. Wait a minute, he's saying victims. I think these... Are you the... Like a, yeah, are you the villain in this uh, in this fantasy? Yeah, I'd be a tag team. <laughs> I mean, I'm here with Freddy. I'm oh, you're on the side. other team. I got it. I got you. It's a team-up. Oh, I'm about to... <laughs> I'm about to go find Torin. I'm about to find Torin down there in the dark alley. Freddie, hold baby. up! I got you, dog. Well, that was well thought out. I have not, I have not thought about this for a single second before that air question was given. I'll go ahead and give you mine. Mine's short and sweet. Which power would I want to have in my dreams? Kindness. Isn't that the gift of the wow. season? How about a PG there? Wow. How about you like grow your hair out? No, no. I just, I want to be more kind in my dreams. I really like uh, Kincaid's power in the film. Just be like crazy strong. Superpower. So Super strength. You can do a lot with strength, though. What you a snap, fu- Freddie and Hank. What a fucking meathead. He's <laughs> probably wanting his superpower to be like to be able to get a credit card. Can I have the power to get a 750 credit score? That is, that's real power in modern America. Well, I was trying to think about something like around weapons, but that's not helpful. So. You want to be an expert marksman. Your, your dick turns into like a hand grenade or something? His dick not, turns into a hand grenade. And, <laughs> weapons and that sort aren't helpful in Freddy's world, so that's a dead end. I think kindness is uh, going to win the win the day. So You think on. kindness is going to win in Freddy's world? Kindness. Today's assignment is 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. The lesson... If you think you'll get out alive, you must be dreaming. Super excited. I'm in the driver's seat today. Uh, let's go ahead and crack open this thing with some uh, fan reviews. Once again, 
through IMDb. Got this uh, this review. Surreal skewed logic of nightmares drive this series to a win by user Rob Follower. This is uh, submitted in October of 2018. This is a great Elm Street film loaded with talent. Patricia Arquette, Larry Fishburne, Heather Langenkamp, the beautiful Jennifer Rubin, who became Ford International Model of the Year in 1984. The film goes back to its psychedelic, hallucinatory, trippy, dreamlike, mind-bending, mind-altering, mind-expanding, mind-blowing, bizarre, surreal, skewed logic of nightmares that helps to sustain the ambiguity between the real and dream worlds, while England's Freddy now fits like a glove. Freddy is a vital killer who brings a sense of creepy fun to his demented work, and the nightmares themselves are another reason for the series' success. Nine out of ten. That was a very articulate review. Dude, he hit you with the fucking... He started spitting bars with the mind-bending mind yeah, on man, The mind compound bending. adjectives were uh, flying off like the shelf. like it was uh, the game or something. Two chains. It was like some two chains type stuff. I was going to say trick daddy, but whatever person you want to attach to it. DMX. Got him. Make him say, uh, no, is that him? Uh, <laughs> who's, who's the one that said? That's Master P. Nine, nine, nine. Okay, sorry. Speaking of, of DMX, he has a Christmas song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Fantastic. He's dead. I understand, but he recorded Oh, I thought you meant he just came out with it. He did not. Is it an original material or is it a cover of the... It's just no, a they cover. Found it on, they found it on his Hell, cell phone. yeah. It's just it's something he did in the bathroom. Of, of the OG, and he's barking. He's, he's full DMX. I'm going to add that to my rotation this year. Rudolph, you going to deliver them presents tonight? What you going to do, Santa? The first we're going to, then we're going to pull the sleigh. <laughs> All right, and for every positive, you know there's got to be a negative. You got to have the yin to the yang. You need a uh, Nancy, if you will. That's it. We need a, uh, we need a. Uh... Negative. Nancy, yeah, if you will. <laughs> we got that. <laughs> okay. Dream Warriors My Ass. By H- my ass. S-H, my ass. My ass. Got him. By H.S. Jung. And this one took place in October of 2008. What kind of shit is this? Power Rangers versus Freddy? It was, it was watchable and as good as the first film in the beginning... But from the part where the protagonists get superpowers in their dreams, it started to become childish. This shit should have been rated PG or PG-13 rather than all. I expected to see some very mature stuff, but it was only for like the first third of the film. The rest are for little kids. Plus it's focused too much on Christianity. I know Freddy's a demon, but there are many religions that have different ways to fight demons. Why, why does it always have to be Christianity? This is total Orientalism and filled with white men slash Westerners superiority. Don't watch this. Show it to little kids who love Power Rangers. Four out of ten stars. I'm confused. Yeah, this is, uh, this sounds like a biased-ass fucking to, opinion here. To his point, I did love Power Rangers growing up, and I do love this Which movie. is a so, Japanese television show, together. right? This did this guy just not understand Kincaid's character to call it about white people? Who does attach to fucking Kincaid? Like, that's his fucking boy. I can I, already tell. Well, Kincaid's my favorite character. I can already He's tell. He's fantastic. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm very confused. And also, you can tell that we're from the South because in the beginning of that spill, Joey said Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Power Rangers. One syllable. <laughs> Power Rangers. I, dude, I had, those, I had those fucking Power Rangers, whitey tighties, and there was a there was a fucking extra ranger, the brown ranger in that motherfucker, you know what I mean? Oh, fell him. I got to push back on this guy here. So he's saying this is an American he's, horror he's movie. He's not making it racist. What he's doing, he's talking about religion. But this is an American horror movie, right? And you're complaining yeah, about yeah, the Americanization American of it? I don't understand. Well, he's just saying there's other religions besides Christianity that could be used to fight, you know. Yeah, demons. but this movie is set in America. I think where the, the guy is he's a dominant he's religion is based on the name. Is Christianity, right? Brought up phrase that way. But. What do you mean? Like what? Joey said, I'm pretty sure he is an Asian. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, his <laughs> fucking username is H.S. Jung, and he's talking about Orientalism. I understand. I what, understand. What should I say? <laughs> I don't know. Is there? I can say other words. I can say other things to get the same point across. Yeah, I don't really get the critique. This poor like, guy. This poor guy. What's, wrote what's one the review. main religion over in like Asia? I mean, there's like Buddhism. And we're talking Hinduism, like Japan and China. Shintoism. Isms. A bunch of isms, huh? Yeah. Just saying, like, if if I watch a Japanese horror movie, what should I complain about it being too J- Japanese centric? Dude, it, imagine, uh, dude. All right, imagine Godzilla versus Freddy Krueger. Oh, it'd be perfect. There's no Godzilla would know what to do. Freddy would know what the fuck to do. Godzilla doesn't dream. He's got the reptile Godzilla. brain, man. Oh, it's Godzilla don't sleep, brother. He definitely, definitely sleeps his ass off. Nah, not the Godzilla minus one. That motherfucker was terrifying. Sure, I'm gonna tell you what. Damn, that's the best horror movie. That dude was scary, man. Horror God, movie. It was such a, it's so the scariest Godzilla I've ever seen. Imagine like Jurassic Park, how you felt when you first saw the T Rex in the dark. Wow. This is how Godzilla was portrayed. That movie was great. Yeah, it's I, really fucking good. I know. That if you haven't you, seen it, go watch that shit. It is good. I know that you two are much, much uh, bigger fans of the what are they called, Chris? Um, Kaiju's. Kaiju's. There we go. Uh, does Godzilla live at the bottom of the ocean? Pretty much, yeah, like in the Marianas Trench. Uh, no, he lives within the hollow earth, and that's like a whole... Yeah, like thing. beneath the ocean, like there's a cave, it's, yeah, it's... I mean, you have different lore based there's on different versions of, of the character. series of, uh, open chasms down chasms. beneath the, uh, like the Mariana Trench and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, a normie wouldn't understand. You wouldn't get it. You wouldn't fucking get it. You go to Skull Island, you damn ape. Let's talk about you went last a, you went last a day on Skull Island. I, I, I did enjoy King Kong. Skull you would Island, you would get so. skull fucked on Skull Island. Man, when they were down there in the mud and all them bugs and shit were crawling on them. Oh my god, it's so good. I like the shot of the dude holding the grenades. Just doing the full William Defoe. Freedom. Nailed it. All right. Let's hop over onto some uh directors slash crew members. We're going to talk about a guy named Chuck Russell. What a cool fucking name, yeah. man. Chuck Russell. <laughs> Chuck Russell. That's not porn star material. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so he wrote the screenplay and directed uh, this film. It's actually his directorial debut. Also uh, wrote and directed the, the underrated 1988 remake of The Blob, starring who else? But Kevin Dillon. You remember Kevin Dillon, Chris? From Entourage, of course. Johnny Drama, baby. Same haircut to this day. I actually just watched this film for the first time, and it was a decent watch. Yeah, it's good as what I'm saying. It's like, it's super Yeah, i never seen that one. Um, as well as directing efforts on Jim Carrey's The Mask. 
Eraser and the Scorpion, Scorpion King. Scorpion King, yes. bitch. I watched that in theaters. You bet your ass. That fucking CGI. Wayne the Rock Johnson. God. What? You were talking about bad CGI. That's some that dog shit in there. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. But yeah, this guy, um, I think he, he got this gig as a recommendation. I don't think he was like a first choice. I think they wanted Wes uh, behind the camera for this one, right? Oh, they did. I got some notes on that. Well, there was a lot of, let's say there was a uh, a lot of chefs making the soup on this one. You had like four writers. You had Frank Darabont, Bruce Wagoner, Wes Craven coming back, as well as Chuck Russell. Um, but I think a majority of what we end up seeing was written by Chuck and uh, Chuck and Frank. In a interview with Wes Craven, Wes Craven refers to the people who edited his script as Frank and his friend. So doesn't even call the director by his name. I wanted to uh, shout out some crew members before we get past them uh, real quick. The effects crew, just because if you watch this movie, the effects are just fucking awesome. Kevin Yeager was the name I saw on there. I know we've encountered him before. Um, so yeah, shout out to those folks. And the guy who did the music, guy by the name of Angelo Baralamente, who is uh, David Lynch's homeboy, one of his good friends. He uses him in like uh, Twin Peaks and a lot of his movies. So shout out to that guy. I always like to get my David Lynch references in here. Yeah, I know we always harp on like, you know, this movie's got great practical effects. This movie's got a great soundtrack, blah, 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 blah. But this is another example of a movie that is complete. Like everything about this movie has a, is, is redeeming. Yeah, it checks all some the boxes. Of the, of some of the effects may have not have aged that well, Goodness. but music's great. The fucking practical effects, practical effects are great. Um, yeah, it's, it's an all around good movie. We've reviewed a lot of films at this point. I think about sixty five, if I would, if I would guess roughly, yeah. And uh, we don't always talk about how good the special effects are, so I feel like when we say it, they're pretty good. <laughs> As far as behind the scenes, I know we talked about Wes. Uh, something I found that was kind of interesting uh, was the fact he didn't want to make a franchise out of Nightmare on Elm Street, as we've probably talked about when he did the original. But he was really dissatisfied with that first sequel, Freddy's Revenge, which personally I think I liked better than either one of you. Um, so that's why he signed on to co-write the screenplay for this one. But unfortunately, as we know, these things are always successful. And because it was, the series continues. You see, with Freddy's Revenge, it grew on me. I liked it, man. But it just ha- it had the misfortune of being wedged between these two movies. Yeah, it definitely feels yeah. like the commercially the one that, that movie fit. was super successful, but uh, critically and and uh, just general public, it was not a not a winner. And to Chris's point, supposedly, I mean, there's so much. To dig through with this, like to your point, Joey, all these chefs in the kitchen, that some of his stuff is hard to figure out what's true and what's false. But supposedly, Wes Craven turned down the director's chair because he was directing Deadly Friend at the time. What the hell's Deadly Friend? I've never seen it, but I suppose he directed it, and I'm assuming it wasn't very good. I also saw that uh, his first concept for the film, Wes Craven's that is, was to have Freddy invade the real world. 
He would haunt the actors while they're filming the new Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. New Line Cinema rejected the idea, but years later, of course, Craven's concept is brought to the screen in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Which is cool, because we're talking about, like, what, 1986 when he's developing this idea? And we know how, like, yeah, like, meta-cinema becomes a thing in the 90s. Oh, yeah, his, his, his desire for, like, meta-content has been around forever. It's just, it's it was too ambitious uh, for the time. Yeah, it just does not fit in the At 80s. that time, horror hadn't, horror hadn't been played out like it had been by the time, you know, the mid-90s. Where all the rules were out and VHSs were on, like, loop of the 10 different Friday the 13th people had access to at that point. I thought it was pretty cool, though, that he kind of had that idea, and then a movie like Scream that he didn't even write kind of comes to him to direct. Kind of a full circle moment. To to tie in my favorite horror film, allegedly the Freddy glove that was stolen from the set of this film was found in another movie, hanging on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead 2. Released the same year. Yeah, it's pretty well. I think I read that, uh, what was the guy's name? Mark... Sostrom, something like that. I guess he worked on both sets at the same time, and the theory is that he smuggled the glove used in Dream Warriors to use as a background prop for one single day, which is why it appears in Evil Dead 2. That's like the rumor. And then you brought it back? Yeah, like no one knew it was gone. He just took it one day, took it to, I guess, the Raimi set, and then put it back. I had one more kind of cool note here. Um, Before the script was even finalized, John Saxon and Robert England had written their own script, own scripts for a third Nightmare film. Johnny. <laughs> Apparently John's script, which was called How the Nightmare on Elm Street All Began. It's a prequel that Freddy is uh, innocent and pretty much he gets set up yeah, for the murders by oh the Manson family. It sounds fucking dog shit terrible. Whoa. Yeah. I, okay. I read okay. Bizarre. It. it sounded fucking awful. I mean, you could tell he was like an actor of the 70s. Like They were all reeling from the Manson family stuff with... The Sharon Tate murder, the LaBianca murders, and all that stuff. So it's like he kind of tried to make it meta without anybody, I guess, appreciating it because obviously this idea is totally fucking ditched. I would enjoy a prequel, though. I think that's a good idea, just not that route of a prequel. Oh, I hate. Oh, God. Some of this shit don't need to be explained, man. A la fucking Rob Zombie's Halloween. And, uh, oh, you keep you gotta, taking duties on that. You're going to like it when we get there, I guarantee it. You, why do you have to take guarantee so, I'm gonna call it he hates ignanimous igna- is that is that the right word like you ignanimous would you consider Freddy's Freddy ignanimous at this point we don't really know his origin yeah I mean you like kind of get it dripped right, this movie, movie kind of yeah. gets into it yeah but at this point it's pretty ignan- there's no re- if you go ahead and you tell me where where this shit came from and explain it to me beat by beat it takes the the mystery out of it, it takes the fucking you know uh it takes the horror out of it uh, but yeah, we were talking about Robert England. Uh, he wrote well, he wrote a treatment as well. It was called Freddy's Fun House. The protagonist was Tina's older sister, Tina from the original. Um, she's in college when Tina's murdered, returns to Springwood to investigate how she died. And he said Freddy would have claimed the Elm Street house in his dream world and set up booby traps like Nancy had done against him. I think I read they used part of his part of his script in the TV series. Yeah, I think that was like one of the pilot. Or like, uh, I guess the TV episode. I don't, I don't know. Was it a series or was it like just different stories? I don't... I think it was like a Tales from the Crypt type setup. It was. It, it was, was like an anthology thing. It was called Freddy's oh. Nightmares. Is that right? 
kind of the last note that I had here was this is the first film from New Line Cinema to receive a national theatrical release, which I thought was kind of bizarre, but at the time, New Line was pretty young. This was distributed to 1,300 theaters. Before this, their films were released regionally, opening in several cities one month and moving to other cities the next. Damn roadshow style. That's pretty wild. Well, this is, as you always they say, love, the House of Freddy Bill. Cougar up in Minnesota. I had one kind of cool note here about the uh, promotional material. Apparently, New Line Cinema had a distribution partner, Home Media Entertainment. They did a promo reel with Robert England as Freddy advertising the VHS release of the film. Primarily two video rental shops and other vendors, which included a chance for one winner to appear in the sequel, The Dream Master. How fucking cool is that? That's pretty dope. Yeah, they already knew there was going to be a sequel to this one. I guess by the time it got to the VHS release, they knew, yeah, we're, we're going to do another one. So imagine that. Like, fucking, I'm at Brewers about to check out the old Freddy 3, and I'm going to be in the fourth one. That'd be fucking dope, man. Yeah, 100%. Was much to the dismay of a lot of people involved. I think I think Robert England and both Robert England and Wes Craven were quoted as saying they don't want to do anymore or they don't want, like, they think it should end after three, like like a trilogy. Put the shit to rest. But like we said, I mean, we've covered this with like every big franchise. They do that. They find a suitable ending, but it is just so successful. They can't. They can't just let it be. You know, it's so lucrative. You can't stop. I mean, this isn't fucking. This isn't Breaking Bad. You can't just like end on a good. You got to keep going. The budget was four point six million, and the box office was forty four point eight million. Banging for 1987 R-rated horror film. That's uh, it's good. It's the third highest grossing nightmare after uh, Freddy v. Jason and uh, Dream Master. Dream Master's higher than this. Oh, Dream Master's higher. As Joey's Asian friend said, uh, it wasn't mature enough. You can't say Asian. Well, he came here for mature content, Joey. Mature. Mature. Isn't there a boob flash in this film. There's significant. Titties in flash? this movie. No, that's titties in this. <laughs> you can see, like, the butt. No, ain't no boo flash. This is titties. You don't see the crack of the cleft, but you see everything else. Oh, yeah. You know, Joy likes when to talk about cleft. hot. When the nurse seduces somebody. Yes. Yeah. I think this is the first time you see tits in a, in a Freddy movie. It's a good, like, 20 seconds, man. It's uninterrupted. It's solid. Very attractive woman. See, I think that was like, all right, that's like throwing us a bone after in the second one. We got to watch a guy fuck a damn racket or some shit for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it was sucking that tongue too. You got balls thrown at him. I like that one, man. Y'all quit shitting on my movie, man. <laughs> I liked, I actually, I turned, I eventually liked it too. I, that's like the second or third watch. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Second or third watch? Shit. All that sexual tension between him and Grady, man. How could you forget? All night long. You gotta watch all me night all long. night, Grady. He's inside of me. <laughs> he wants to come out. All right, I'm gonna throw my little, uh, my little few tidbits here. First feature-length film, writing credit for Frank Darabont, who would go on and we've talked about him before because we've already covered the mist. Mm. Um, you know, Green Mile, Shawshank. Kind of wild to think he came, he came from the Nightmare Universe to uh, into that kind of success. Okay, uh, Winona Ryder auditioned for the role of uh, Kristen. Yeah, I could see it. Pretty very similar builds. Cool little cool little thing with, with Johnny Depp you know playing playing his role in the original 
she had to have been really tiny though in 87 Beetlejuice was 88 she would have looked like a 10 year old we were supposed to be like young adults high school kids yeah but she actually like looked younger than she was not to bring it up again but Kincaid was definitely a grown ass man he did not have the voice of a grown ass man but uh, I thought Kincaid (laughs) was that dude off police academy Hightower (laughs) he was his nephew I thought this was him. I thought this was him. I thought was Damn, him. I miss Hightower. I was a back and forth between this and High and, and fucking Police Academy. Yeah, we spoke earlier earlier about how there was a uh, there was some rewrites on the actual script itself. Bruce Wagner and Wes Craven wrote the original screenplay, uh, and Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell um, had to do their rewrites to you know get the budget down a little bit because what Wes Craven and and Bruce were wanted to achieve was ambitious, to say the least. Um, I think they somebody was either Darabont or Russell said they used thirty percent or less of the original script. So uh, this definitely wasn't Craven's vision, but I, it's definitely like a skeletal frame. Of yeah, what he was going for. It definitely has like his um, ambiance to it. But yeah, other than that. I got a couple of different country uh, country movie titles for 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 the for Nightmare Three. In France, the movie is known as Freddy Three: Claws of the Nightmare. Claws of the Nightmare. Freddy Three. Oh, wee oui, wee, oui, Freddy Three: Claws of the Nightmare. Oh, nice. That's French. That's French. Yeah. Uh, Throw a baguette in there. And we got in it. and in Japan, can I do a Japanese accent? Oh, can you? That's a good question. Here we go. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Tragedy House. Tragedy House? That was pretty good. You sound like Shredder's a right-hand man from TMNT. You gotta go like a Tori Hanzo. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Tragedy House. Your Japanese is very good. Baby. You like a baseball. You say arigato. Like like I say arigato. I like a baseball. See, I sound just like that guy. That's Sonny Chiba. Just put some respect on that name. Oh, okay. We ready to jump into this? Let's do it. Let's dream together. All right. This is one of my one of my favorite horror movies, so I'm going to be extra long-winded. So prepare. I'm going to look at the uh, metronome and take a nap while you speak. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Working late into the night, teenager Kristen Parker freebases coffee grounds and Coca-Cola as she continues constructing her latest art project, a papier-mâché model of a dilapidated house that haunts her dreams. After some chastisement from her seemingly promiscuous mother, a young woman reluctantly calls it a night. Before long, she's awoken by the sounds of kids playing and laughing. She finds herself at the door of that same run-down house and follows a young girl through its threshold. Downstairs, Kristen tries to question the girl about their whereabouts, but is interrupted by the menacing sound of approaching footsteps and fire from a furnace filled with the bones of children. She snatches the youngling, cradling her in her arms as they make their escape, a shadowy figure close behind. Narrowly escaping their pursuer, Kristen and her newfound friend find themselves in a room filled with countless bodies, teenagers swinging swinging lifelessly, from the ends of ropes around their necks. 
Kristen looks down at the child in her arms and screams in horror as she finds herself holding the charred remains of the little girl. Kristen jumps awake and discovers herself back in bed covered in sweat. A quick trip to the bathroom soon after leads to the realization that the nightmare is far from over as the figure now visible in the mirror, horribly burned and laughing maniacally, manages to slash the teen's wrist with knife-like claws. Startled by the screams, Kristen's mom bursts through the bathroom door and gasps at the sight of her fainting daughter's open wrist and the blood-soaked razor in her hand. Well, that was long-winded. Yeah, it's just getting started. Here we go. Strap in. Audience. Let it rip. Strap on in. Um, so the movie starts out uh, with the credits. Larry Fishburne. Larry. Yeah. This is pre-Morpheus. When I think of this film, I think of Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, it's because me like not really having an exposure to the movie, like seeing the promo and the material, I assumed like he was one of the dream warriors. He would be one of like the kids. I was about to say something that's fucked up. No, 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 let's hear it. It's an open forum, man. There's no reason to hold back. This is your I therapy. Think I, I think I swapped in my mind and my memory. I haven't seen Dream Warriors in, in, a long, in, in a very long time. I swapped Kincaid and Lawrence Fishburne. I you thought he was one of the role. kids, too? I did, yeah. Damn it. Wow. See, I didn't have any exposure to it. That was just me guessing they would use, like, the second build actor more, you know. Here's the thing. I think on a lot of the box art for the movie, it has Lawrence Fishburne's picture. Yeah. Instead of Kincaid. Yeah, he's definitely all over the promotional material. But uh, I guess it's probably all retrospective because at this point, he hasn't done all the things that we kind of come to know him he for. He boys in the hood yet. Yeah, it's coming. You can tell it's there, though, just watching him on screen in this movie. He's got the pizzazz. Can I ask what the deal was with uh, this 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 the white paste made out of like baking flour back in the day? What the was paper that? mache flour stuff? Flour and water. Flour and water it's glue. makes glue. Yeah. Sticky for baking. Yeah, it's it's like about the most simple paste you can make. I, I it's it's paper. It's like paper mache shit. Paper like, mache is creepy. Made anything man. out of paper mache? Uh, you you you'll be shocked. No. I'm not a paper macheer. Wow. Machete? I don't know what you call it. You literally mix flour and, and water, and it makes like a, a paste. Are you supposed to bake okay. it? Okay. Are you supposed no, to cook what it? The fuck are you making? The paper mache. Like, how do you make Chris it retain form? What? You, no, you have like you have like a, a skeletal structure. So it's how like on this? a wicker outline of something. Let's pause. Right, let's do it. Let's do a YouTube show where Joy teaches us paper mache. Well, you use like yeah. well, a lot of times you use like cardboard. Like a cardboard skeleton, that's all you Have need. you been like, paper mache? Have you been homeless? When I was, yeah, no, I was big into art and shit in school. You were doing paper mache like behind the damn cafeteria where everybody else was like eating? No, nah, they had me, a, everybody else is doing math. They had me in the corner just doing paper Still mache. Still toilet paper rolls don't, and shit. I'm don't doing a bother lighthouse. him. Don't talk to him about his paper mache. He'll hit you. <laughs> He's, He's doing, aggressive. He's doing a lighthouse. Leave him alone. Over there at the foosball table. Jordan, you want to come do math? No, paper mache. Pancakes. Pancakes. <laughs> oh, shit. We got a shout out Patricia Arquette here. We did kind of glossed over the fact that she's the star of the movie. You may know her from True Romance, Boyhood, Stigmata, or David Lynch's Lost Highway. Um, let's play Hot or Not. She Hot or Not? What decade? Oh, not I mean, now. Like in this movie. She kind of oh, looks right the now, same. Yeah, no, not now. She does not. This movie is very. No, nah, she looks rough now, dude. 
No, she I'm does not. What the fuck is wrong with y'all, man? She looks the same. She looks older. Um, I'm going to say this, Chris. I'm going to say this. She was married to Thomas Jane. They share one child together. After, post Thomas Jane, ugly as fuck. <laughs> he then sucked you, you, all sorry, the fuck you, out of her. You would say married to Thomas Jane, but you ain't talking about her being married to Nicolas Cage. Oh, Thomas Jane's a much better get than Nick Cage. Yeah, but Nicolas Cage is a much more interesting person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very, very true. I can't defend He did that. own like a dinosaur skull <laughs> and a castle and shit. Yeah, but this movie was her, it was her first like major acting like credit. Um, a member of the Arquette family. Is this how uh, David becomes Santa, Dewey? In Richmond. Is this David's Wait, end to becoming Deputy Dewey down the road? Through path. You think so? <laughs> Wes, I got a brother that I think would be a great Dewey. He would be a great fucking. I, th- well, I think idiot. Wes has worked with like three members of the family. Loves them. It was David, her, I think her dad was like a sheriff or something in uh, in the second. Uh, screen movie. Well, he didn't work with her here. He was never on set, right? But I'm sure he gave some kind of thumbs up for her to. Well, I'm just saying, like, was like involved in 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 the same. You know, he produced this. I'm sure. She was the first member of the Arquette family to be nominated and win an Oscar. She sure did. Boyhood, right? Fantastic. Uh I love that movie. Man, I I'm kind of kind of sad you didn't talk about like one of our favorite movie quotes. Of all time that she's kind of involved in. Is this something from Stigmata? No, brother. Little Nicky. Little little Nicky, brother. God damn it. Super Devil Juice. Give me that little girl. Super Devil Juice. <laughs> Boy, I love that. Fuck, that's so fucking funny, dude. What happened to Adam Sandler? So. He gets you paid. I found my, uh, at Thanksgiving, to back this up, a family member brought a bunch of pictures of, of me and my brother as, as kids. Tell me you went as little Nikki for Halloween or some shit. You dressed as Ving Rhames or some shit? <laughs> I have shit? a picture of like, me receiving little Nikki on DVD at, a, at my birthday party at some point. And me, it's like me holding it and cheesing in the picture. Man, I get to see, I get to see that fucking, I get to see that gorilla with titties on his fucking head. Is it a, <laughs> what is, Oh shit! The first tits he ever saw on the DVD was on a gorilla's head. The Adam Sandler made his money, and he's just uh, in chill mode at this point. Oh, he had a, he had some bangers um, back in the day. What was up with this girl's mom? I felt like terrible for her. Mom's like, "All right, I gotta fuck. Dude, Sorry, honey. Hoe, Go back man. to sleep." Oh my god, she says she's trying to like talk her into bed. She's, "Honey, I have a guest," and she says, "And you don't want to keep him waiting." That's right, I don't. Hell no. That, she was just fucking straight up. He's got that whiskey dick. I gotta get some use out of it. <laughs> Dude yells out, where's the bourbon? Hey, where's the bourbon, bitch? <laughs> Why upstairs is like yes. poor child is like struggling with her own sanity. I gotta go. This guy's hard as a rock. I have a, a quick little side note to one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. When she goes to the house and the little girls are doing jump rope and the creepy white dresses, one of those little girls, I cannot tell you which one, was Kristen Clayton. And she was Brad's girlfriend, Angela, on Home Improvement. I'm still convinced that that neighbor was like a serial killer molester. Wilson. No, Wilson. Man, why are you shitting on Wilson? Come on now. Why is he not Wilson showing his face? He always had fatherly advice. Why is he showing his face? Rhyming man? and ripping. What's he hiding? It's so they could put like four actors and they don't have to have the same actor. Maybe he had a clever that week. Why is he hiding his face, him? man? 
Why does he not want to be seen by the authorities? Chris, why does Ray Mysterio not want to show his face? There you go. Because the luchador. It's an honor thing, bitch. Well, Ray Mysterio did actually kill somebody, but oh, okay. it was, it was on purpose. I like the faucet hands, too. Those were fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I didn't really talk about it. I just, <laughs> when it, I, like, grabbed her hands. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking The first dope. example of, like, bomb-ass special effects, practical effects, that was fucking cool. I love a bed just showing up in the middle of nowhere. That's always, like, a cool segue in any kind of, like, dream that sequence. That opening sequence, man. That opening sequence with it, that, that smooth-ass transition right there. That's just like prime example of what you can do with these type of movies. It's that good dream. Because, you know, all these dreams, they can be like super abstract. So you can go from being in the middle of, uh, you know, you can go be in the middle of a bedroom to being on a street, like the side of a street in front of a house. Something about just a a well-placed bed is creepy. Interesting. I think Friday, these nightmare movies, these nightmare movies are like the only movies like the horror movies, they, they can get away with that. Yeah, they have it like baked into the the idea, though. They can to really do like anything in these movies. It's kind of like a yeah, free pass. Yeah, you can pass. really do anything. Free pass. Point, it's not out of the realm sure. of possibility. Yeah, it's, it's at, definitely a benefit. At this point, we've already seen Freddy, right? He's He just pops up. We have uh, seen past the, the silhouette of Freddy, and then we saw him in the mirror. Okay, so we can go ahead and talk about Robert England to dish to get it out of the way. Yeah, Bobby. I mean, yeah, go for it. I'm not. I'm not going to explicitly say the name Freddy, like when I'm doing my readings, just because we don't really hear the name Freddy until like halfway through the movie. Oh, I'm like, but we can go ahead and talk about Robert England. Get it out of the way. Okay. I mean, all this got is. I, no, I know you. I know that's your guy. Go ahead. I mean, it's my guy, but we're we're in the third film. Like, I don't. I can only dig up so much stuff about this man. Uh, although I did read his book, and it was. It's not worth reading. Jesus Christ! He didn't even watch the movie, but he read his fucking book while he was uh, should have been reading, watching the movie. <laughs> I mean, how was the, the book? The how was the book? The book's fine. I mean, if you're a Robert England fan, it's it's fine, but it's nothing to write home about. Uh, uh, but like the 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 movies I had written down were Hatchet, which we I would love for us to get to at some point. Stranger Things season three, is that correct? Four, four? the four. recent one, yeah, four. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job in that. And apparently he was in an episode of Workaholics. So. Catherine Zeta-Jones. I will say. She re- deeps beneath lasers. In regards, in regards to the book, I forget the name of it, but he spends probably half the book talking about his childhood and his love of the theater. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Let's talk about Freddy and blood. That's and the shit. thing. Like, all, I can, all I see him as is fucking Freddy. But then you think about him actually being an actor. Yeah, like outside of Freddy, and really uh, wanted to be like Shakespeare. Honestly, I just right. I want him to like just be in Freddy costume like twenty four seven. Yeah, how much of his you life know, did point, he dedicate you know, this to point, Freddy? He's tired of putting that fucking makeup on. Exactly, it's probably why he didn't want to do another one. But yeah, I mean, them paychecks they cash. Although he 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 did comment on Freddy versus Jason. They had advanced so far with his makeup that it was much easier. The following day at Western Hills Psychiatric Hospital, Dr. Neil Gordon makes his rounds, checking in on his motley crew of young adult patients amid a rash of unexplained local juvenile suicides. During the checkups, however, the doctor is summoned to the examination room, where newly admitted patient Kristen is freaking the fuck out after staff attempts to administer a sedative. 
lashing out at anyone and everyone. She grabs a scalpel and slashes at Max the orderly's arm. Backed into a corner, the hysterical blonde slowly begins to chant a familiar nursery rhyme. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never. At that moment, the hospital's new intern enters the room, all too familiar with the jingle herself, Nancy Thompson. Now a studying psychologist specializing in pattern nightmares. Finishes the rhyme, comforting Kirsten long enough to disarm and put the girl at ease. Later that evening, Dr. Gordon and Nancy discuss the patients she's been tasked to study and their shared terror of sleep. Amidst their conversation, Neil discovers a bottle of hypnoseal fallen from Nancy's purse, confirming she's too, she too suffers from a nightmare disorder just like his patients. Back at the hospital, Max introduces Nancy to some of her residents, Philip, the resident sleepwalker, and his tough guy roommate, Kincaid. Afterward, Nancy meets with Miss Parker to try and figure out what led to Kristen's act of self-harm. Unable or unwilling to provide any help or insight, Miss Parker dismisses the whole thing as a mere plea for attention and directs Miss Thompson, Thompson to her daughter's bedroom upstairs to collect her things. It's here that Nancy observes the papier-mâché house that Kristen built, the very same house that changed Nancy's life forever. First of all, we live. We met Craig Wasson as Doctor Neil Gordon got a big fat who right here mm-hmm. uh, for his credits. Hey, I don't know he, the guy. I got a couple. I'm sure he's been in something. I don't. I'm sure he's been in something. He was in Malcolm but, X somewhere in there. Sure. He was in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, my favorite Star Trek show. And he was in a film called, and he headlined the film, The Pornographer. We need the Tim the Tool Man on our soundboard for when we encounter people like this. That'd be perfect. I think we uh-huh. needed they needed generic white doctor character. Generic. He kind of looked like Bill Maher. I kept getting Bill Maher vibes from this guy. Oh, I can see that. Maybe it was just the hair and the nose, obviously. Wow. Today, Freddy wow. Krueger. What's up with that guy? That's my best Bill Maher. I don't really watch his shit. I don't fucking know. We've also met Max. Oh, Larry Fishburne. Larry Lawrence, aka Lawrence Fishburne, aka Morpheus. Morpheus, take the red pill or the blue pill, Neo. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Cowboy Curtis from Pee Wee's Playhouse, Boys in the Hood, Event Horizon, personal favorite, Smoke from Biker Boys. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget it, Biker Boys. He plays well, Dr. Jack Crawford in the Hannibal NBC series. That was criminally underseen. Fucking banger. Dude, Check it out. Mystic River, the Bowery King from the, the John Wick movies. The color purple. His daughter, uh, Montana Fishburne, did porn back in 2010. Well, all right. Throw that Let's out there. That in there. <laughs> never forget. Never forget, Larry. Never forget. Porn, brother. To bring in the Christmas season with Mr. Fred Krueger, Lawrence Fishburne was in Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse, a one-hour special. Yeah, he was uh, Cowboy Curtis. I didn't realize he was. Who the fuck is Cowboy Curtis? I had the same thought. What about Heather Lincoln Camp, dog? She's coming in hot for this one. Oh God, she was hot in the last. She was sizzling here. She's a smoke. She's got that robe straight out of fucking X Men. I'll give her another. I'll give her another (laughs) white streak. Match that motherfucker. That perfect eighties bounce in the hair to curl. She's like, ah, oh, I'm an intern. I was like, oh my god, you know how bad this doctor wants to touch her. 
She's almost she's close to the same age she was in the original. She right? looks so exactly like, the same. I'm just saying, like they gave her a suit with shoulder pads, and it's like it's supposed to age her. Like fucking. Let's my dress beard. her like Hillary Clinton. Everyone will see her as a young adult <laughs> and respect her. So yeah, every uh, every good every good Halloween mo- or nightmare movie she's in. That's handsome. She's in one, three, and she's in uh, new nightmare. three of them, right? So she's yeah. three for she, three. That's the only three she's, she's in the good ones. She seems like an incredibly nice woman. I, she's not a great actress, but good for her that she's the best part of these films. She might not be a good actress, but she is. She's a bona fide screen queen. Yeah, I think didn't we say that she kind of spun this into a career in special effects? Like that's what she does now. She runs yeah. like an effects yeah, I think studio. She has her own company with her husband. That's cool, man. She apparently had a big part in the Midnight Club. Scream Queen. I don't know if we, have we talked about it before. Scream Queen. Scream Queen. Mount Scream Rushmore. Queen. Mount Rushmore. Scream Top fours. Scream. Scream Queen. Queen. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. So Jamie Lee right, Curtis. I think, Nancy, Jamie, I think Nancy, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is D. on Wallace. there. D. Wallace is on there. All right. In my opinion, if she's not already on there, she's well on her way. Mia Goth. She's definitely like the post two thousands. She's definitely on there. Mia Goth is is there, and I had, all right. So we're saying Jamie Lee Curtis, D. Wallace. I'd say Heather Lane Kemp's on there, and Mia Goth. I'd say those are the four on there. However, what about Nev Campbell? We're discounting Nev Campbell. We're discounting. I had a dark horse. Nev. And bear with me, Lynn Shay. Who the hell is Lynn Shay? <laughs> Lynn Shay is the fucking old lady from Kingpin. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's been in a lot. She's, she's in, in so Calgary. many horror movies. Horror movies. She was in Nightmare on Elm Street, Critters, Insidious, The Grudge. She's in so many horror movies. But is she headlining any of those? We were thinking headliners, Chris. <sighs> Does she scream a lot in those? Definitely not in the Conjuring. Nev Campbell in besides fucking. I mean, I, never mind. She, all right, she's in like every scream. Movie. Yeah, she <laughs> is the franchise. If she, all right, if she's not. If she's not eligible, I guess Heather Lane Camp isn't eligible either. Mm, that's a tough one. Like, that's all they're in. Other than those, uh, do we want to talk about Philip and Kincaid? Oh, of Are course. Who is this? All right, well, what, the, what the fuck is Kincaid in? Uh, <laughs> oh, you right, mean the guy who he had cast incorrectly Ken, on his room? Ken in his memory? Sagos. Ken Sagos. Yeah. What the fuck is he in? Ken Sagos was in Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, and his big break... One episode of the Bernie Mac show. Jesus, oh yeah, huge man. break. Someone, I need somebody to do his voice. I need to hear his voice again. Can anybody impersonate this? I can't recreate that man's weird Tony voice. It's definitely like a weird pitch for a guy that big. What are you talking about? His voice in the movie? Yeah. Anybody sticks me with that needle, I'm gonna fucking put your ass down. <laughs> but he's got like a Chicago accent in there too. Ain't nobody put me to sleep. I'll kick your ass. You better come get me, Freddy. Anybody hey, scared of you? Fuck you. Kruger, Freddy, you pussy. Freddy, Kruger, you pussy. <laughs> you burnt face pussy. That's, like, that's spot on. Joy is spot on because it's so bizarre. <laughs> it's hard to be that his tough and sound like that. His character is actually, he's really great in the movie. Uh, and Taryn, played by Jennifer Rubin, was in The Doors in a solid B-horror film, Screamers, with Peter Weller. Also, in the hallway scene, when the doctor first talks to Taryn, she is wearing a Dokken shirt. And Dokken, of course, sing Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. 
wanted to mention Bradley Gregg as well, the guy who plays Philip. Uh, just kind of a somber note. He was good, fe- good friends with uh, River Phoenix. Dude had some great hair too. Yeah, but he was in like he was in Stand by Me and uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with River Phoenix. R.I.P. Brother. Stand. When the Stand. night has no. come. <laughs> if you're gonna see it, you gotta see. <laughs> this is just stop right there. <laughs> That night in her hospital room, Kristen nods off only for a split second and wakes to find herself once again trapped in the derelict house. Unable to escape, she comes face to face with a giant serpent and its human head, its gaping maw wrapping itself around her legs as it begins to swallow her whole. Unsure of what to do as it inches up her body, Kristen screams for Nancy, who herself snaps awake, having heard the cry for help in her own sleep. Nancy forces herself back asleep and is pulled into Kristen's nightmare, stabbing the humanoid snake and freeing her ward. Recognizing the monster as a foe from her past, Nancy beckons Kristen to return, turn them to reality, and the pair come to a fresh cut on Nancy's hand from the glass shard she used in the dream. The pair convene in Nancy's office where she informs her patient that the man from her dream is real and discovers Kristen has the ability to pull people into her dreams. The next day, after a group therapy session discussing the shared group psychosis, dream psychosis, Neil and Nancy go out for dinner, and the idea of introducing their patients to the experimental hypnosil drug suppressing, dream suppressing drug is brought up by Nancy. Pleading with her superior to prescribe it for the good of the kids, she's unfortunately shot down. Back at the hospital, it's lights out, and the burned man pays Philip a visit in his sleep. Cutting out the young man's arm and leg tendons, he directs him like a marionette puppet and perches him on the ledge of a locked tower, dangling the young man precariously over its side. Joey, a mute patient, witnesses the scene and goes about waking the rest of the residents, who can only watch in horror as the seemingly sleepwalking teen falls to his death, his strings cut in his nightmare by his puppet master. How fucking cool yes, was this scene? This was awesome. I could feel like the puppetry of the kid. Because this, this was the hardest thing for me to watch because I was having like a reaction to it. You know, when you see something that just hits on like that level of grossness. Mm-hmm. Like the hands and the feet. Imagining someone pulling you by the fucking tendons. I was like, this was fucking brutal. And it looked really good too. He's pulling him in a way that he's he's literally directing him like a puppet. Yeah. Like one foot. Sick, man. But his arms extended forward like he's a fucking mummy. And then just one foot at a time. And you can hear like the the wet the sound of the, of the floor. Like the it's squelching. That's a good disgusting. Good, uh, yeah. This was my favorite my favorite uh, bit in the movie. Favorite effects work. The old Joey with the mullet. You think that's why he couldn't speak? Because his barber spun him around in his chair and he saw that in the mirror. That haircut. Shit, he probably can't speak because he's got a mouthful of titty milk. I'm not going to drop any of it. He, <laughs> loves, he loves that nurse. This that dude, boy was horny as dude, fuck. Early in the movie, he's he is watching this nurse the entire time, like a like a fucking hyena that, that's watching a, a lion die, and it's just ready to just mm. grub on that corpse. I want a piece of that. I'm not sure that we we covered Joey. And the guy that played him, Rodney Eastman, uh, he was in I Spit on Your Grave and Chopping Mall, another beloved B-horror movie. 
Uh, but in the in the documentary of this film, they talk about how on set everybody loved Patricia, and apparently Rodney loved her the most. And Kincaid mm-hmm. said uh, in the documentary that he may not have talked during the film, but his ass was talking outside of it. He wouldn't shut the fuck up between takes, <laughs> pussy. All he talked about was pussy, pussy, pussy. I think it's part of his whole psychosis. Like we, as we watch the movie and learn more and more about these characters, um, they all have pretty distinct personalities and pretty distinct uh, issues. And his being mute is definitely a circumstance of his interaction with his dreams. It's like he's like scared to speak. I like the melting bike too. It was like very Salvador Dali when she first got into that dream. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't mention that, but um, right there, as soon as she enters the dream sequence, a tricycle with a bloody trail behind the tires, like slowly inches into the bedroom and just begins to melt. That was cool. Yeah, that was fucking. And dope. Snake Freddy, Snake Freddy was pretty fucking awesome. Snake Freddy, man. Beetlejuice style. Snake Freddy is one of the coolest, like puppets I've ever seen. The chomping man, it looked good. She was like, I was like, there, she's not gonna go in the fucking mouth. Nah, she was like, full on inside of a puppet, and like half of her body was. So apparently, that scene was obviously very hard to pull off. I mean, it looks very difficult. There were four different puppets, and apparently, when they first came out with the puppets. Uh, they look incredibly phallic. Uh, I bet they to did. Where, to where the director was like, "That's we can't shoot that. Like, That's a big-ass like dick with uh, Robert Englund's face drawn on it. So if you go back to the scene, it's covered in this thick, like dark green goo, only for the purpose of making it look less phallic. They try to use like a flesh-colored um, like skin on it, and it just looked like a penis. So it was the world's largest rubber dildo, is what you're telling me. Pretty much. That swallowed her whole. Also, why do they have a character named Wheel in a wheelchair? It's a little spot on. His name was Wheel. I was wow. like, God, son of a bitch. Hey, it's better than nubs. <laughs> we got to get into you're D&D too, man. fucking worse. Uh, well, yeah, at this point, we do have all the... Uh, all the... Uh, the motley crew of uh, of young people, we can go over their 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 credits or lack thereof, if you guys like. I got zero in any of them. So, Ira Heaton plays Will. Uh, we talked about it, Jennifer Rubin. Penelope Sidro plays Jennifer, um, and there's also another doctor in this scene named Pris- uh, Doctor Elizabeth Sims, played by Priscilla Pointer. No real credits. Um, that stick out to me. I'm sure they're all terrific actors and actresses. But uh, nothing noteworthy in my opinion. Terrifique. Other than the fact that there's a Gremlins Christmas card on uh, on Joey's wall. That was fucking dope. I did not see that. Yeah, it was a... Uh, it was a I just happened to glimpse it at the corner of my eye. And I had to rewind it and check it out. It was pretty cool. An emotional group meeting the next morning filled with anger and fright leads Dr. Gordon's colleague, Dr. Sims, to enforce nightly lockdowns and sedations for the teenage residents. At the urging of Nancy, Neil finally cracks and decides to administer hypnosil to the patients in hopes of bringing some relief to the tense kids. 
that night in the recreation room, aspiring actress and pain addict Jennifer watches TV, burning herself with lit cigarettes in an attempt to stay awake, but to no avail as she nods, she too nods off, only a split second. The sound of static snaps her out of it. She approaches the wall-mounted TV and is snatched up by mechanical arms sprouting from the video box, coming face-to-face with the burned man from her dreams. Her head is smashed through the screen and Max bursts into the room, looking on in disbelief at Jennifer's lifeless body dangling several feet off the ground. At the young woman's funeral, Dr. Gordon looks on from afar in sorrow, the weight of his self-perceived failures weighing, da- weighing down on him. Sister Mary Helena, a nun he's seen on the hospital grounds before, attempts to comfort him, but is interrupted by Nancy and disappears before Neil can thank her. After some dinner back at Nancy's, the dejected and discouraged doctor confides in her, unable to understand why his patients keep committing suicide. It's at this moment that Nancy makes a decision to tell Dr. Gordon and their surviving patients the truth. The truth about Freddy Krueger. So this is the TV kill. This is one of the... This is, this is one of the most iconic kills. Maybe in all of nightmare, um, nightmare history. Yeah, this kill got a NECA figure, I believe. A what figure? A NECA. Oh, okay, no. Okay. A bit of delay there. <laughs> yeah, like it was such a impactful chill, scene and memorable scene that it, it NECA decided to just make a whole... Uh, well, it's got like the most, probably the most iconic Freddy line ever. Yeah. It's like the first one that becomes like Camp Freddy, you know? Although I do like when he... When he uh, Flashes his blades and it's like this is God. Yeah, it's pretty. Not cool. to bring in the well, Christianity in the, of the again your Asian friend in the in in Freddy's Revenge when he when he says you're all my children. I thought that was fucking dope. I mean that's such a yeah. cool line too. It's also could be uh, tagline for a television show. Yeah, but the line uh, the line we're discussing. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. And fucking slams her head into the TV, dude, and electrocutes her. That was so fucking dope. And that line was actually improvised by Robert England. The last part, the Welcome to Primetime, that was all him. I feel like it definitely solidifies what this character is for the next eight movies or whatever. It's the bitch, man. The way he says the bitch is what that's the, that delivers it. So at this point, this is like the second um, confirmed kill by, by Freddy that we have in the movie. Um, and the kills are unique in the, in the way that the way that they are being killed, they're having some part of their personality or some part of their weakness as, as humans used against them for Jennifer. We didn't really talk about it, but she had ambitions to be a TV star, you know, to get well, uh, to get out of the, get out of the nut house and, and go be in television. Um, for our boy, Philip. His pastime, his hobby, was to create puppets, uh, and, you know, artistry, stuff like that. Marionettes. So, uh, it's pretty cool that the kills that are being being done here reflect uh, the characters that they're being done to. Right, he's literally throwing their dreams back into their faces. Dreams as in, like, aspirations. This is, this is like, this is, this is, this is Freddy at his most, uh, most devious is it, this is the second time we've seen the nun as well. I didn't mention it earlier, but is it pretty clear at this point this bitch is a ghost? 
Yeah, she's all like always dressed in white, just fucking disappearing. No one else acknowledges her. I noticed she was the ghost at the funeral for sure, uh, but then I, I second guessed. Well, why did this guy have some special power to be able to see ghosts? But you will later figure out why. But how? <laughs> all right. Also, at this point, it's pretty obvious Doctor Gordon's trying to fuck Nancy. Oh yeah. What dries up a woman's pussy quicker than a lack of fucking confidence? The way he's acting in this scene, bro, it's like cat litter on a on a fucking vagina. Mm. <laughs> oh, I've never seen that. That imagery. That imagery. He's like a doctor who's halfway in control of his of his patients, right? Because he has to split duties with the uh, the nurse ratchet like character, the old. Dude, she is crotchety as fuck. Yeah, the old she? like fuck these kids, lady. Dude, these these kids keep these kids keep committing they suicide. They keep fucking right? dying. Her answer, her answer to fixing the kids is making them sleep, so they can't fucking kill Put themselves. Put these motherfuckers to sleep, <laughs> and they will live. Yeah, you just keep keep them sleep, keep them tied down to bed. They won't fucking die. But yeah, we're not healing them. But fuck it, they ain't gonna die on my watch. Shit, let somebody else take care of it. Coming from a guy who has no uh, no game and little confidence when it comes to that category, I kind of feel for the guy. I mean, again, how often is he encountering attractive women that are actually available to him in his line of work? Uh, the fucking nurse Marcy's been there forever. She's way that? out of his league, man. She nurse no Marcy. Dialogue. Here's the thing, it's a power dynamic, because he's a doctor. At the next group meeting, Nancy spills the beans, detailing what she went through six years ago, and who the man, the demon, who haunts their dreams really is. The dreams of the last of the Elm Street children. Using group hypnosis, Kristen attempts to use her ability to pull everyone into the same dream space, but fails. The crew decides to take a break and retry in a bit, only for Joy to spy Nurse Marcy in the hall who beckons him to follow. The two get down to going down while back in the meeting room, while the remaining members come to the realization that they are in the dream space together and have extraordinary abilities there. Nurse Marcy, tits fully bared, and Joy's cock on swole, suck face down the hall, deep tonguing, maybe too deep as the tongues fuse together. The conjoined tongue binding Joy to the bed frame, completely helpless. Freddy, his charade now over, hovers above the him, above him, smiling at her ear as the mattress falls away in the common room against the change. A pit of fire and bone licks at Joy's back, and the group is herded like sheep in a scalding hot room of, frame, of metal and flame. The end seems near as the lone door rattles and bursts open, and Dr. Sims walks in on the sleeping group, appalled at the unsanctioned session. Unaware of the horrors they have witnessed. The group comes to, except for Joy, who lies comatose in the middle of the floor. Put that pussy in a coma. What's wrong, Joy? Are you tongue-tied? Tongue-tied. This is the third movie where Freddy uses his tongue in some weird, extravagant torture. I met a bitch. He's all about the damn coma. tongue. Put that pussy in a coma. And in Freddy vs. Jason, he's it's a lot of emphasis put on him licking the pictures and putting them on the book. So, uh, we want to go over everybody's like special powers. You got a quick list? The fire them out. I know Kristen what can do flips. Kristen can do flips. Yeah, what Bill the fuck walk, is that? Can do magic. What is Kristen doing exactly? Hold on. She can do flips. She a Cowboys cheerleader? What the fuck Double, was her power? Triple, quadruple. She's like, yeah, watch she this can shit. Do flips. How did I know you couldn't do that before? 
And then, and then the doctor was like, holy shit. <laughs> this bitch can do a cartwheel, motherfucker. Fuck, dude. We must be dreaming. Hey, yo, in my <laughs> dreams, my dick works. I ain't never seen any shit like that. In my dreams, Nancy's my girlfriend. <laughs> She's fucking sitting over there. Oh, fuck. oh that's sweet. Sorry. That's sweet, Sorry, Ray. Bro. <laughs> uh, wheel, wheels, wheels can walk and do magic. He can walk. That's his special power. <laughs> a little bit earlier, up. we found out he is a, he's a dungeon master. He, he enjoys. He's a DC. wizard, motherfucker. So he's an actual wizard. He's the master wizard master. Wiz, wizard. Wizzle, he's the whistle he master. He literally goes, I can walk. God, is this really oh shit! Serious? Look at this. Here's the thing: he can walk, but he can't do flips. Ain't he can't do flips. <laughs> Why didn't he just go straight to the uh, flips? And then he can, he gets to walk in as a side bonus. Uh, Kincaid is strong as fuck. Um, Taryn, she has a yeah, leather Freddy, jacket. Taryn has a cool haircut. <laughs> Taryn, Taryn gets a mohawk and a leather jacket. She turns into Elizabeth Salander for some fucking reason. Um, Joey's superpower is he doesn't come in his pants. Nice. She uh, also uh, she gets a, a switchblade with her yeah, costume because she's, she's bad, I'm, motherfucker. I'm bad. I'm no, no, no. I'm beautiful and, and bad. bad daddy. She is so. She's so. All right. She's gorgeous. She's, she's beautiful, lady. But uh, I could. She is a. Give me the hair down, though. Give me the hair down. Oh, the uh, <laughs> you talking about the mohawk? The spike is just. It's just a weird nah, look nah, on nah, her. Nah, nah. Apparently, they her and. Uh, Shit! One of the other cast members would go to lunch in their, in their costumes, and they would like get, uh, get eyeballed from some of the locals. He said, "What? I'm bad, motherfucker." I did like when they were talking about like how old girl could like pull people into her dreams. The fucking nerd was like, "Well, we could link up." Like they're playing fucking Halo, like a LAN party or some shit. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think part of the reason Will got cast in his role is because. He was an actual dungeon master in real life. Like, he played D&D in real life. He knew the terminology. No one else knew what the fuck they were talking about. Uh, but, yeah, we also have a sex scene here, boys. Uh, so we got them titties. Uh, the, the the music during the scene where she's bedding Joey. That shit sounds like some menu music from a JRPG. Mm. Did you guys pay attention to that at all? I did not get Japanese RPG it's vibes like a, from that. It's like I'm running through Breath of the Wild, like out in the field. It's fucking. It's. This is like upbeat. Very flute. out of place. This is too the deep music for the, a guy who thinks Godzilla was the bottom of the ocean. Godzilla was in the Kill music Bill Three. In the movie is fantastic, right? It's great. This shit sounded so out of place. Maybe it was like stock uh, B-roll audio. All they could use. We get another one-liner right here from uh, from Freddie. That's uh, too. It's like a dad joke on the nose type deal. What's wrong, Joy? Feeling tongue-tied? <laughs> As he's uh, tied to the bedroom. Does anyone tongue. ever laugh at any of Freddy's jokes? Other than Freddy himself? I don't think so. What the uh, fuck's wrong with these people? What's what wrong with these people? <laughs> what's wrong with y'all? He does, he does one here in a bit that I fucking... I LOL'd, R-O-F-L-L-D'd on the fucking floor and shit. That, on the yeah, floor? Funny. Damn. Yeah, R O F L D. Roll L-O-D. on the floor laughing. Oh, it's like yeah. a 2005 reference. LMA, I'm an LMAO'd my oh, ass off. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to say the ass off part, actually. Head doctor of Western Hills, Dr. Carver, is called in to evaluate Joey's condition. He immediately relieves both Nancy and Dr. Gordon of their duties and demands them off the premises by the end of the day, leaving the patients in the sole care of Dr. Sims. 
Collecting his belongings, Neil makes his way to the parking lot and spies Sister Helena in the same tower that Philip fell from. He breaks in and confronts her, learning the origins of Freddy Krueger, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs, as well as what it takes to stop him. At Joey's bedside, Nancy stands stands watch in, in disbelief as Freddy carves a message in the boy's chest. Come and get him, bitch. Nancy and Neil decide to confront her despondent father, Donald Thompson, do, hoping to discover the location of Freddy's remains. Unsuccessful, a call comes in from the hospital, and Taryn informs the doctor that Sims has Kristen in solitary confinement and sedated. Nancy rushes back to the hospital, and Neil vows to find the remains, forcing Lieutenant Thompson to help find the bones, but not before a little pit stop at a church for some crosses and holy water. Back at the hospital, Nancy convinces Max to let her have one last meeting with the kids. So John Saxon is back, baby! Yeah, I know I saw uh, when the credits first started rolling, it had and John Saxon. I thought he'd be like in like some stock footage from like the the OG from oh, the first movie or something. I didn't think he was going to be yeah. in like a significant part of the movie, but he was in there pretty lengthy. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a big part of what the third act. Yeah. Did we talk about the doctor going up into the old schoolhouse with the ghost nurse and talking about her just getting railed by all the, the bastard? Oh yeah. He's a bastard son of a hundred maniacs. That was tough. She was like, yeah, they they locked her up here and hundreds of maniacs just raped her for a couple days. Actually, they locked up here for a weekend and they hid her away. And they just took turns going to town. (laughs) The way she delivered it was like, wow, okay. (laughs) The bastard son of a hundred maniacs. That is... That's a hell of a fucking title. It's pretty cool to see John Saxon again because he's just—he's just such Hollywood. Dude, that guy's royalty. in everything, man. Yeah, he's um was good friends with Bruce Lee. He was one of the people like he actually trained back in the seventies. So, and Bruce Lee and all of them were kind of closely tied to the whole Tate LaBianca murders with the Manson family. So, kind of going back to my note earlier, he's definitely of that late sixties, early seventies. Hollywood becoming the new Hollywood um, era. And then on John Saxon, apparently he was in From Dusk Till Dawn. Was he? He must have been so damn old and unrecognizable that I didn't <laughs> catch yeah. him. What the fuck was he doing in From Dusk Till Dawn? You sure it wasn't one of those sequels? Or the TV show um, or something? That sounds like a sequel or the TV show. You think he would beneath himself to be in the damn sequel of Bruce Campbell? No, Bruce is in the third one. This, the second one has the guy from T2. Yeah, um, Robert Patrick. Just dropped in for a quick Robert bite. Patrick. There you go. Just dropped in for a quick bite. That's uh, one of our... So he's from Feast. Fiction, bro. The dude from Feast. Oh, Feast, Feast, yeah. Feast. Yeah, our first episode. Man, yeah, that was so long ago. Man. That's the old dude from Feast. He's the one that was fucking that girl in the ass. He was. He was. She was a very, the very attractive lady from Liar Liar. Dude, that's back when our episodes was like thirty five minutes long. We've come such a long back way. We learned to shut the fuck up. What did yeah, he tell the girl? Like, hold on, baby, you gotta, you gotta be quiet or something like that. He said yeah, some I think weird he's like, I think her son's in the closet and he pulls out, go hits him in the head with his shoe, and he goes back to fucking. <laughs> Jesus, man, we're rehashing yeah, old episodes now. We fucking. You know they got like we're four full spiral. That movie. I've watched them. They're pretty bad. 
That's yeah. pretty fucking rough. Are they as bad we as 2001 Mania? We thought Beast was going to be bad, too, but guess what? We were surprised. These sequels great. have a lot of CGI. Like, it's a green screen room, uh, and it's the movie inside of that. There's no effort whatsoever. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about in this, this sequence of events, the carving of the message in the chest. Yeah, I feel like Much this Much like was, the other effects in the movie look fucking dope. Yeah, this really, like, popped in the trailer. It's definitely, like, what sells you in that trailer that we watched. It's like a zipping a, sound effect they got going on at the same time, which yeah, makes it even creepier. It's a Freddy thing, you know. You can hear his voice, even though he's not speaking. I think that's what kind of makes it cool. When they go to the bar and you see John Saxon, um, and the and the doctor tries to buck up to John Saxon. What yeah, he like he like pushes him up against a post. I'm like this dude, get the fuck. This you dude knows mind, martial at this arts. Point, at this point, John Saxon's character is a fucking security guard for like Walmart. He's got a beer and a whiskey. He is uh, down the he's down the rabbit hole. He is fucked. When he pins him against that wall, John Saxon looks huge. Yeah. Oh yeah, John Saxon would destroy this man. His daughter hates him. His wife's dead. Fucking Freddy. Through a keyhole. <laughs> yeah, wife got pulled through the damn little window in the front door. <laughs> in the dream. That looks oh, look so fucking bad. At Penny Bros Auto Salvage, Neil and Mr. Thompson search for the long hidden remains of Freddy Krueger. While Nancy and the last three group members enter the dream space to try and save Kristen and Joey, just as they link up with her, Freddy begins his assault, isolating them in their own nightmares. Kristen watching as her mother is beheaded and escaping into the house from her dreams. Taryn being shot up with Freddy brand heroin. Will the wizard, almost being skewered by Satan's wheelchair and ultimately being skewered by Freddy himself. Nancy and Kristen reunite in a nursery room with Kincaid bursting through the wall like the black Kool-Aid man. Kincaid begins to... Mm. Black cherry Kool-Aid. Kincaid begins to... Kincaid begins oh, to yeah. antagonize... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, motherfucking pussy. Kincaid begins to antagonize Freddy until a door appears suspended in midair. The trio head through down a winding stairwell into the fiery depths below. I love the reservation dogs, Freddy Krueger fucking outfit dog. That shit was banging. Him in the suit. <laughs> Alright, I was talking about being made to laugh, right? What happened in this sequence was the really the beginning, I don't know, five minutes of the, of the movie right. is replayed here. And it gets to the point where our mom's tucking in bed. <laughs> the bourbon. And we hear the, we hear the guest downstairs asking for the bourbon. <laughs> and then this motherfucker pops out. He said, I said, where's the fucking bourbon? <laughs> and he cuts her fucking head off, man. <laughs> This shit is so funny. And he's in a full on suit with like the burnt head, like no hat or anything on. He looks fucking looks awesome. Looks fantastic. That so Apparently, good. that was a uh, NECA figure pretty recently, too. Oh, Freddie in his suit. I was like, I, I would, that'd that's be the, the one, one I'd want. Get. That'd be fucking bad. That's bang, the one to dude. get. And uh, the head looked really good. I was kind of shocked how good the head looked. Oh, yeah. It was like a puppet and everything. And, like it, the mouth moved. I and, was like, this is really like fucking good. Yeah. Like you see so many bad decapitated heads even now. In uh, modern ah. stuff, but this one looks fucking great. This Terran scene where Terran's doing battle, battle with Freddy. She succumbs pretty easily. She kind of gets her ass kicked. It's the uh, dope, baby. She, she can't fight the dope. His fingers and his knives 
to the hypodermic needles and then the track marks on her arms the sucking the little suckling mouths dude that shit made me that right there made me feel worse than the tendon shit did just thought of little little like suckling suckling little mouths on your arms and he sticks he sticks the fucking hypodermic needles in there and then it's like he's fucking coming yeah he's getting high he's getting off with her is kind of the point right he says what a rush he's rolling his ass But he said it. I don't know. Again, I'm the one that brings in the wrestling uh, part of the show. Okay. When the Road Warriors would come out, they would go, "Oh, what a rush!" And I think it has to be a connection to that. Has to be. God damn it! All right, you, well, you sh- know what's fu- all right. All right, that might be true because in the next scene where he's going against Wheels, um, he has this one-liner talking about when he wakes up, he's going to be back in the saddle again. And that's actually like a uh, Aerosmith '70s cover of a Gene Autry song from like back in the '20s or '30s. Gene Autry back in the saddle again. Gene Autry, aka the Singing Cowboy. Yeah, the Singing Cowboy. But yeah, the uh, suckling um, track marks was really fucking cool. Which personally, like I said, the tendons thing really fucked me. Maybe it's because recently snapping a tendon, but yeah, that was really fucking cool, man. Shout out to tendons. There is an uh, uh, an anxiety term for the suckling circles or like circles grouped together. Um, oh yeah, like a phobia. Yeah, phobia. I, I have that. Yeah. So that scene really. Really. I can't. I can't. It's like do a, it. you can't look at a sponge. It like oh, it freaks up. me out. What about like I an octopus's like, like arm? I get sick. Like my stomach. What about sick. like a speaker with all them little holes in it? The speaker's fine. It's not. Maybe you I don't like little holes there. together. I got a pretty long quote here from Kincaid if you guys want me to do the voice. Is this when he burst in and the Kool-Aid man? Oh, it's when he's antagonizing Freddy to just try to get it going. Then it's time to stop guessing and start messing. Yo, Freddy, where you hiding, you burnt-faced pussy? You think you hot shit with your little mute kid, don't you? Quick, <laughs> Kruger pussy. <laughs> Dude, I wrote down he, Kruger he so, pussy. He's so good at like... His character comes off as like a strong man jerk throughout the movie, right? He's just all he is. It's like a defense mechanism. You can like tell he's like scared. Yeah, he's soft, the big teddy bear. But um, he's such a he's such a cool character. Uh, I like him in this movie for sure. And again, I kind of got to point out here: we haven't talked about Lawrence Fishburne at all because he's not really used how you would assume he would be. You don't really see him ever again. And there was the medieval chair scene. We've already went over that, right? Yeah, we didn't really go over. In the name of Lorik, Prince of Elves, Demon be gone! <laughs> Fucking Freddy grabs his ass up by the throat. Sorry, I don't believe in fairy tales. And it fucking pops him in the chest with that. I was wondering, watching that scene, is this the first time we've just seen him just use the glove straight up for what it's made for? Yeah, I felt like he's just tired of this kid. Like, the kid yeah, he's like, him. All right, I'm not doing anything creative, just stab the motherfucker. He blew his load making that fucking wheelchair of death. He was magicked yeah. out. Because that wheelchair was like gnarly as fuck. Yeah, it was cool, but it's the first time I could think of him using it in like Michael Myers fashion, you know. Like, oh, he just stabbed so somebody wild. with a fucking glove. That was it. Will was the only one with an actual superpower. His that ability to walk. One girl could do flips. That one girl is a fucking cheerleader in training. <laughs> and Will could walk. It was a superpower. He could fucking walk around. But he had laser hands yeah. too, man. He had fucking Palpatines. 
He's an ultimate power. <laughs> My voice. God, it was fucking trashed. Did y'all go back and listen to the episode? Oh, I had like to edit it. I definitely shit. heard it. God. Ugh. Back at the junkyard, Neil and Donald finally collect the remains, stored in the trunk of a red Cadillac as the Dream Warriors reach their destination. The boiler room from hell filled with bones, scrap metal, and horny boy joy still lashed above the pit. His bindings begin to slip, but Nancy is able to grab his hand just in time, saving him from, from a fiery death with the help of Kincaid. Soon after, the trio engage Freddy in vain as he's grown too powerful, the souls of the children granting him strength. Before he can deliver the killing blow, however, he senses his remains being disturbed and disappears, only to reemerge in the real world, possessing his skeletal remains and killing Lieutenant Thompson while knocking out Dr. Gordon, burying him in a grave they had just dug. Down in Freddy's nightmare, the quartet find themselves trapped in a room of mirrors. Freddy reappears and begins to multiply the mirrors, dragging the original trio within them while Joey cowers in the corner. Finally discovering his dream power, he unleashes a powerful scream, shattering the mirrors, destroying Freddy, and returning his friends from their doom. So Joey's going all Sindel on this motherfucker right here. I like the mirror effects. They were really good. Yeah, I think they said it was like um, Mylar or some shit that they did this with. Because it was no, it wasn't any CGI. These are, so far, I've liked the stop motion they've used. Um, except for the skeleton. That shit doesn't look good at all. Yeah, because the way they got it superimposed against like a real person is tricky. They it works, but it is. Oh, when they did the puppet earlier, it, it looked fantastic. The seams are there, but it's it's a tricky, tricky. But bit. you you have this action scene here. Yeah, it's hard. Um, it reminded me of Army of Darkness a lot. Army of Darkness had the same, but they pulled it off. But this was a few years yeah. before Army of Darkness. So. Yeah, I thought it looked a little bit better. In Army they had of better Darkness. tech in what ninety two. But yeah, that's this is like the only effect in the movie that I could like nitpick about. And John Saxon just dies in a very boring. Oh, he just yeah, in a very, like a very. I think it was fitting, anti, honestly. Anticlimactic. So I think he came back to die. Like if they got him to come on board for this movie, I'm pretty sure he asked for like this death. There's no way he was going to be like, all right, put me up through some like 20 minute sequence where Freddie like rips my asshole open. And he's like, no, <laughs> just just let me get on set for like two days and he smack me in the head. And I'll get stabbed and I'm dead. Got a bit of a gaper here, don't we, boy? In this sequence where we discover that Freddy's become too powerful, the only one that can really stand up to him at all is Kristen and her flips. The fucking flips, man. The flips are the most powerful technique. Yeah. Just because she spins in the air, the kicks are like fucking... Like she's Liu Kang. She's doing bicycle kicks and shit on her. Damn combat from Mortal Kombat. We get a Nightmare on Elm Street staple right here as well with the faces... Of the souls that Freddy's collected being displayed on his like chest, that gross Very belly. Cool, we see this and say it's so fucking cool because you could actually see some of the details of characters we've seen die. Oh yeah, I their think faces. This is like this is like Taryn and and Will. Yeah, and I can make out uh, the marionette kid's face in there. I was like, that's pretty cool. It's so fucking dope, man. That's Will walking around in his chest. Look at Will. He made it. He's it ain't even, all it is is fucking Will's wheelchair wheel. You just see it poking out. Sure of their victory, they embrace, and the soul of Nancy's recently departed father appears. 
She rushes forward to get to give him a final hug, a final hug goodbye, just as Freddy's gloved hand pierces her chest. M. Night Shyamalan, eat your heart out. The dream demon casts her aside and locks Kincaid and Joy out, pouncing on Kristen. Before he can strike her down, Nancy uses her last bit of strength to mount Freddy's back, MMA style, and shoves his glove into his chest, just as Neil comes to, scraping the remains into the grave, dousing it with holy water, and laying the spirit to rest with a cross. In the dream space, Freddy bursts into a flash of light as Nancy dies from her wound. Or does she? That's uh, it's another dead uh, legacy character. So yeah, Freddy gets stabbed in the ch- in the chest with his own glove. And that's kind of his undoing. What what is his undoing here? Is it that in combination with a simultaneous burial? He that he has a wound. I guess he has a. All right, I'm gonna sound like pretty stupid. He's got a wound in his chest, right? Right. So he's kind of weakened, and then his his remains are laid to rest. So he can't wake his remains up to fight back to get out of the grave at this point like earlier in the movie um the nun says hey you know the only way to defeat this guy is if you bury his shit bury that motherfucker i don't think it had to be nancy it just i think once his remains were buried somebody had to hurt him or deliver a killing blow i think the way all right we the sequence we see is he's stabbed in the chest and then, and then the remains are buried, right? And you know, that's holy water. It probably happens like simultaneously. Yeah, so I was thinking. But did it have to be that way? I guess is kind of what I'm wondering. Did Nancy even have to die? Could she? I guess Kristen just... could have did a bunch of flips around him, and it would have yeah. blew his Why head up. Why didn't she up? use like her unlimited could, stamina? He would have been amazed and amazed and shit. The she just keeps circle. keeps spamming those same three buttons that she's been pressing to do the oh, fucking oh, 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 Street Fighter oh, oh, oh. shit. Let's go. Hadouken, Hadouken, Hadouken. Just need you to hold him off long enough for him to bury this shit. But wait, there's more. Battered and unbroken, the surviving dream warriors and Neil attend her funeral, her funeral being Nancy's, and discover that Sister Mary Helena was in fact Freddy's mother. Dream da, da, da. Da, da, da. Dream we have like warriors. a people with sleeping sequence and all this other bullshit. Um, that's the movie. That's it. So this is the the movie ends on, or the trilogy that's supposed to end the actual franchise ends revealing part of Freddy's uh, heritage. We got the prequel after all. Heather Lankencamp has came out at some point and said that her death in this film was fitting because it proved that anything was possible in the series. I thought. Well, I mean, here's the thing: everybody thought she died in the first one, so I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Well, the first one ends with a dream, right? Mom died in the dream, though. Hold on. It, it's a dream within a dream because she Freddy's, dies at first and then her mom dies. Freddie's sweater pops over. Sweater, yeah, this is true. Remember being confused about that first ending. That's weird. <laughs> it's, the movie, this movie kind of cops out when it comes to the ending. All right, so the movie ends, and I didn't really say anything about it, with Neil falling asleep. He's got the paper mache house, and he's got Nancy's little dream doll she kept in her house. Yeah. Right there. And in the paper mache house, the upstairs window that was the Nancy's light turns on. lights up. And then it hits you with a little bit of ominous music right there at the end, making you think, hey, that could be Freddy. Or it could I be Nancy. I think it was Nancy. I think it was Nancy, and then they put that ominous music right there 
to make you, you know, think it, it's Freddy. Yeah, I mean, even like we were saying, like this whole whole idea behind this was coming from West to finalize the story that he started in 84. And even with that in mind, at the end of the day, they still had to leave one little breadcrumb out there for, but maybe not. Maybe we can cash in on this thing again in oh, a year and a half. They're about to cash in, brother. Merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. Crank them bitches out. Where's them NECA Nico, toys? Nico toys, Nico toys, Nico toys. They got toys. Nico toys, NECA toys, all kinds <laughs> of toys. <laughs> Spawn Wait, what, toys. Ooh, you say what? You better calm down how you say that. So what piece of memorabilia you boys want to take out of this bad boy? I think I already took the glove in the first film. And I haven't taken a sweater yet, but this film didn't have the best sweater in my opinion. It wasn't It wasn't pristine enough. So with all that being said... I'm going to take the dream pendulum that the doctor used. It would be nice on my uh, home office desk. The dream pendulum? Yeah, the dream pendulum. The pendulum that, like the little ball that, the that pendulum hits itself? That, that got fucking eight adults to fall asleep? The shit asleep. you can order on Amazon for $4? Yeah, but it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't the good doctor's pendulum. This one had like a light on it and everything, man. It was fancy. There's only one true answer. It's the paper mache model house. Uh, of the original Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movie house. Just because I'm a nerd. And that's kind of like cool in my opinion. Fucking nerd. Let me get the needle glove. I don't know if I've taken a glove. But I feel like the needle glove Fuck, is. Damn it. The needle glove is a good choice. It's yeah, fucking badass, man. It's a cool little parlor trick to pull out. Guaranteed to jack you up. What a rush. Pucker and suckers. The pucker and suckers. I didn't ask for the girl's arm. Who did he ask for? The damn needle gloves. All right, boys. Letter grades. Get the books out. How do we feel about Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 for this holiday season in 2023? What's fun and exciting about Nightmare on Elm Street movies is the fact that a good portion of the movies take place in dreams. And the possibilities within dreams are endless. There's just so much potential for creative abstract ideas. And Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, nails it. Uh, I'm about to just ramble scattershot style and list off what makes the movie the classic that is. It is, in my opinion. Um, an interesting story, well-rounded and realistic characters with the distinct personalities you want to root for, well-acted, mostly. Um, contains some of, if not the best effects in the franchise. Uh, the movie has the perfect mix of dark comedy and fantasy horror. Uh, and you can't get forget about Freddy in this. This is Freddy at the best, at his best, in my opinion. Charismatically evil and witty as fuck, but not over the top to the point of annoyance. Um, and Dokken, uh, I mean, the movie has its own banging theme song. Honestly, there's not much uh, negative for me to say about the movie. Some of the effects age like truffle butter, but that's being nitpicky. Uh, so 1987's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors grades out with an A. I fucking love this movie. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, is the Freddy movie that made me fall in love with this character. It's the movie that I think of when I think of Freddy, and it kind of sets up what pop culture thinks of when they think of Freddy. When, when, when somebody goes back and watches the first Nightmare, they're probably very confused because Freddy is not the, the wisecracking general that he is for most of the series. This film does something that a lot of sequels find it very hard to do but always attempt, and that's balancing old characters with new characters that we care about. And we care about both sides of that pendulum. 
so with all that being said, and the special effects, I mean, were just were just top notch. Between that, the continuation of Freddy's character, this movie for me, because it is my favorite nightmare film, gets a B plus. So for me, Nightmare Three was hyped out the nines, and it did not disappoint. The effects were super great. I loved them. The whole like Stranger Things nerd culture was like a high five from the eighties. Hit me right in the nostalgia. Got to give big props to Wes Craven, the vibes that he just kind of, I guess, put in by kind of getting the ball rolling on this entry and the attempt at actually wrapping up this nightmare with a bow. You got to love that. Uh, I did have a few gripes. Some of the acting was doo-doo. And seriously, you got to give Larry Fishborn more screen time. He's the seasoning that the horse stew needed, but this is the heavyweight champion of the Nightmare series so far leaving Mr. Freddy Krueger undefeated at three for three in my book. Chuck Russell, love saying that name, I'll give you an A minus. Now get the hell out of my classroom. Right, let's recap our uh, audience score. Guesses here, they did not matter since this was a mandatory movie. Um uh, start with myself. I went the low man at a 60, Joseph a 65, and Mr. Hootie a 74. The actual audience score on this one was a 68. Eight. We were all like right there. Oh, and we would have had a winner. One. But alas, none of it really mattered. So we got to go back to the boat we were in after our last actual guess that mattered, uh, which landed us in random territory. So Uh-oh. we are due to spin the wheel to see what the next random feature will be. Go either way. To kick off 2024. And it looks like we are going to be watching 2004's Saw, a James Wan movie, if there ever was one. Fellas, you want to play a game? I'd like to play a game. Here's the thing. Every time he he has a game to play, he asks, do you want to play a game? You don't have a fucking choice. I guess I, sure. You're in the that. game. It'd be a boring ass movie if everyone was just like, nah, and it was over. Wait, hold on. Oh, am I thinking about the right movie? Or was that Scream where they asked, do you want to play a game? Sorry, folks. We're going to hop on YouTube and watch the trailer. If you want to watch along with us, check out our YouTube channel. And you can catch our live reactions there. So, yeah, boys, that's the uh, that's the trailer there. We want to take a guess at what the audience score oh, on Rotten Tomatoes People is for that bad boy. love this fucking movie. I'm going to say 70. I'm going to go 60. Still have to remember the fact this is in the torture porn genre that a lot of people just fucking just. I'm doing sixty two. Sixty two. You just look it up. You <laughs> boxing out, motherfucker. Is that what he just That's did? Look, he no. looked it up. I literally just boxed out, Chris. I'm fucking. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Check out our website, horriblefilmschool.com. You can find links to all the podcast platforms, the Instagram, the merch store. Give us a follow. Leave a review. Send us some hypnosil. I'm going to say goodbye and offer my support to women rising from the grave to spur someone to put to rest the everlasting soul of her bastard son of a hundred maniacs. As always, folks, if you're hearing our voices, tell at least one person you know, spread that love, spread that campaign, and I guess I get to go grab my handy jigsaw and uh, get to work. I'm out.
So yeah, thanks for all the likes, the subs, the listens, the follows, the downloads. Uh, we really appreciate you guys and gals. Support as well as your time and attention. Be sure to join us in the next one when we play a little game with Billy in 2004's Saw. Class dismissed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.